Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome, everyone, to an exciting edition of Training Unleashed and a proud member of the C-Suite Network. Today with us, we have Chris Gorell. He is the CEO of Interworks, and he has done coaching with, you know, Fortune 500 companies. He's done coaching with smaller organizations. It's been my pleasure. I've known Chris now for a little over a year. He's one of the most insightful people that I know on change. And today we're going to be talking about following your internal compass when it comes to change, and particularly given what's going on in the world right now with the pandemic and all the change going on, how do you not react, but how do you make deliberate change? Mm -hmm. So Chris, what does it mean to you when you say follow your own compass? Well, you know, normally when we do training around change, um, there's a model that we follow and it's based on um, something out there, that some, some objective that we've set up. But what's happened recently is that, uh, that those things have been taken away. Um, normally when we do strategic planning, we talk about planning into um, a receptacle, into a future that has certain dynamics to it that's been taken away. So there's an ambiguity that's, uh, that, that's facing leaders now and an uncertainty or a, or a, a dynamic about um, what's going to happen next that we don't have any predictive ability about. So where does the leader lead from or, or lead to when, when we're facing such um, rapid change and, rapid, and, and accelerated uncertainty? And, and so what we talk about is really talking about what are the internal values of the company? What are your, what's your true North Star? Um, because, you know, whatever you choose to do, it has to be true to that. Um, you no longer can say, let's bounce our values off of the, the external environment and see where we, you know, attack into the wind as it were. Um, we're kind of luffing right now. There's no wind in the sails and, and nowhere to tack. So the real internal compass is the, the corporate value structure that you have, your, your real deeper mission. Not that I want to be the best, you know, X in our industry, but, but what's our real purpose? Um, and I think that's the the place that we're trying to coach people, especially leaders, to start from and to rally their teams around so that there's, um, in the face of ambiguity, there's at least clarity around what our purpose and vision is. Well, I, I do love that. And I, and I find, you know, there's this big word right now, pivot. We've got to pivot. <laughs> right. And, and I do think that people have to pivot. Uh, but I also think that there's a possibility that people are pivoting for the sake of pivoting without really doing the gut check. Are they living true to who they are and mm -hmm. is it moving them toward their strategic vision? So if you were a leader right now in an organization, sort of what's the process would you take on with your team to ensure that people are living to that internal compass? Well, it starts with the leader, you know, so if I'm the leader, where I have to go first is to inspect what my beliefs are um, and, and allow the change to change me, to affect me, 
you know? And what I mean by that is delay or strip away some of the ego that has been driving, you know, driving me and my, my leadership. Um, ego is a good thing. We, it often gets a bad rap. Um, the problem is when ego gets in charge and it's more important than your values or more important than your commitments and your, and your, your, your core beliefs, uh, then ego takes, takes over. What happens in these change, these big crises where we have to pivot and what we have to pivot to is to strip away what was driving us by ego strength um, in our leadership and actually take a look inside first. So I think the first step is really that internal inspection. Um, and that's a hard to do first process for many leaders because they take on the persona of their company. Um, they wear it like a coat, you know, and, and, um, and taking off that coat is a really difficult uh, first step. So that's where I'd begin. Um, maybe you want to ask more ask more questions about that process and, and dig I, I, I into do, the pivot. I but. do, I do, because I think you said something really important, which is that a lot of times leaders feel like they need to portray a confidence <laughs> that inspires others to feel like, hey, I know what's going on, I can handle this. And at times like this, you kind of want to think whoever's leading the organization can do that. At the same time there's a wisdom of the team and you know, there's a, a little reality that you probably can more effectively pivot if you're really listening to the organization. Of course, I believe in listening to the organization mm -hmm. pandemic or not, right. um, but how does, how does that leader balance that? How do they, to your point, shift from ego into you know it, you know it's it's a form i guess of style flexing from ego mm -hmm. into a little empathy into a little vulnerability that hey i might not know all the answers and i'm looking for the team to step up yeah actually i would ver reverse those it's from stripping away the ego into vulnerability then into empathy um that that would be the the way i uh, the way in i, I might suggest um I remember back to the, the 2009, um, you know, financial crisis um, and working with a, a, a CEO in, in his company and, and he literally, and I was invited into the, uh, this, you know, facilitation of the senior management team meeting. And at, at one point he literally just stood up almost like tearfully um, and, and opened his jacket and said, this is all you get. I don't know where to go. Help me lead you. You know, and that level of vulnerability shifted the whole senior team. It's just totally, you want to talk about a pivot, you could see it like that. Um, but he had the courage to just literally say, I don't know what's next. You know, we're tanking and, and we need to totally change the organization. Um, because, you know, of, of our financial situation, do we cut back to the bare bones and, and reorganize? Do we all take half salaries and try to plot along? You know, like, where do we need to go? Um, and it was, it was a really pivotal moment for him. So, yeah, I think that first step, you know, strip away the ego and get that out of the way so you can actually say, who am I really as this leader? Not with the title, but who am I? And then secondly, getting into a, a state of vulnerability where you can say, you know, this is all you get. This is the best I can give you. 
I am who I am and that's it, you know. Um, then from that place, I think that's where you get empathy for somebody else. You know, not until you go there first as the leader, can you really listen in with empathy to what your, your team is saying? I totally get what you're saying. You know, like I've always said that, you know, give me 10 people over one. I don't care how smart the one person is. I'll outsmart them with 10, you know, because the combined talent of the team is really where the solution lies. But as long as that overarching persona of the leader's ego and the company mentality as how we have been is existing, we can't pivot because we're stuck inside that, that infrastructure. Interested in Tortle's learning management system? Why not try it for free today? Tortle is offering a free LMS for up to 25 users. With Tortle's easy-to-use self-authoring tool and free quick start guide, you'll have courses up in no time. Sign up today and you'll experience one of the easiest-to-use LMSs in the marketplace today. To learn more, visit tortle.com forward slash LMS. So I'm dearly hoping by the time people actually listen to this, there is a lot more clarity than I'm about to, to ask you the question. But there are really two different pivots. There's the temporary pivot of how do we exist during this shelter in place or minimal uh, open economy yeah. and customer hyper fear of going out because even if things have opened, that doesn't mean people are going to go out to dinner. That doesn't mean people are hop on right. planes. Right. And then you have to have that other pivot to, um, you know, things are now back to normal or the new normal, as I like to call it. And what are the opportunities that we have for our organization to take a growth and a leap? Because this change will enable a lot of internal change with an organization that might take years or decades to happen in, in, in moments. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a huge dilemma that, that we're, we're facing. Uh, the first being that, you know, the initial pivot, how do we, how do we function within the, the confines of business as it's structured right now? Um, you know, some businesses are at a total standstill. They cannot, they're, they're not allowed to function because of the nature of their business, their, uh, you know, restaurants or their um, early childhood education centers, um, you know, places where there is close contact with, with people. And they literally will be, you know, phase three or phase four opening. Um, so, you know, so but they're let, facing let me, this. Let me interrupt yeah. you for a second. Yeah. So I live in a community, there are a lot of restaurants. Mm -hmm. by far most are closed yeah one restaurant decided to stay open to do takeout and and and, uh, and delivery mm -hmm. and they opened a whole grocery because they could get food from the restaurant uh, uh restaurant outlets. Yeah. outlets yeah so when no one had toilet paper they had toilet paper they had paper towels they had eggs they had avocados mm -hmm. they would sell food packages to make meals yeah, but you know they 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 literally opened and turned into a grocery, right? And they you know what they told me was they were selling five thousand dollars a day in groceries on top of all the food, right? And around them are all these closed restaurants, 
had just one recently reopened. And what that highlights to me is these other restaurants were sort of like, I'm Doing taking a simple yeah. way yeah. out. Exactly. So the other rest, I, there's a beautiful, um, you know, example, a metaphor of, of what you're talking about in, in terms of the first pivot. Um, and, and that is that most restaurants tried to just convert to takeout. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of, sad but funny to watch because you know their normal model of having you know a hundred tables or 50 tables or 20 tables or whatever their restaurant size was and the pace that that would happen with with um, waiters and and wait staff taking the the meals you know the orders in and being able to, to pace the whole thing out uh, doesn't exist in the takeout so they have one person you know young lady on the phones taking takeout orders and just backups like crazy and you know waiting outside the restaurant to come pick it up so the existing model didn't work to flex into the the takeout model which was sort of like how do we just um how do we not shift but just uh, do with what we can with what we have whereas the model that you're talking about said wait let's re-envision the whole thing we have access to something that nobody else has how can we how can we totally pivot um, at this point and create a value that that would be recognized in the customer. That's the difference. That's exactly, I mean, I mean, you nailed it there. And, and so if we're looking at an industry or a consultancy or whatever, you know, it is that you're looking at, it's rethinking what your, what your resource is in the context of what's needed uh, from the market, because what's needed from the market now isn't the same as what you were providing before. So you have to rethink that. That's where the ego gets or the structure. And I, I think a company has an ego the same as a, an individual does. The structure that we have as our pre-existing paradigm of how this business works can get in the way. That's why it's the first step is stripping that away. And so what your restaurant company, your restaurant neighbor did was take away we're a restaurant and say, what is it that we have and what is it that's needed and how can we pivot to do that? And now we've totally lost the second pivot that you were talking about. Well, the second about. pivot, which is what we really should talk about, <laughs> yeah. because hopefully this is where people are at now, is there's an opportunity for change once business gets back to normal. People all of a sudden realize they can work from home. Um, people you know, realize, I think, the importance of health, and that will that's mm -hmm. not going to go away. I, I mm -hmm. think people will... Uh, expect a level of cleanliness and hand sanitizer in their businesses, um, you know, changing rooms, all these things, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be changes. Uh, and I, I'm a strong believer that change can be good mm -hmm. and to be positive and, and, and companies can, their new after COVID experience can be amazing. How do you get the team to, to really rally and create that new future so that they can you know, maximize that opportunity? Well, the new future is the same paradigm shift that as, as your restaurant analogy. Um, if, if people go back into business just with you know, hand sanitizers and sanitation techniques added on to what they normally did, they've missed the window. You've totally missed the, the, this pivotal point or an inflection point or whatever you want to call it. Um, now is the time that they need to plan for how do they pivot their, their business from saying, what is it that we have resources 
in and what is is that is is needed in the new world you know we may not come out of this with the same infrastructure the same financial you know structure the same uh, economy as we we entered in we may not come out with the same customer base that we entered with um, when when the whole pandemic started so we don't know that but what we do have is we know like your restaurant that made the shift we know what we have as a talent we know what we have as our moral compass and we can anticipate that there are people who have a particular need let's anticipate what that need is and pivot our company before we hit that new inflection point and that's the big one that has to has to change and i think it's the same metaphor or the same dynamic as the restaurant you know metaphor that you're using i have an unbelievable question for you <laughs> no, i'm really excited about this i question. don't believe it <laughs> no no because you're you know, a psychologist, and you, you've got a tremendous amount of experience in the workplace. When you think about different generations, and you got baby boomers, you got traditionalists, mm. you got millennials, and you know, now Gen Z, etc. Mm. Almost every uh, generation has been impacted. So you know, people impacted by living through the Depression, people living through World War Two, um, people, you know, living through the whole technological boom. And and you see different personality traits because mm -hmm. of what they experienced. Yeah. What are the personality traits you think our society will take on because they've experienced this pandemic? What will wow. the legacy be? How will it change how the millennials think and the, the Gen Z people think? And I guess I'm more likely to think that the older generations are, are, are likely to shift a little less mm -hmm. because, you know, things are ingrained in them, you know, mm -hmm. for you know, X number of years. Right. I'm, I've got to imagine it's going to have a very big impact on younger generations. What, what would you, you know, obviously you don't know, but what would you estimate or what would you pontificate as a possibility? Pontificate indeed. Um, it's, it's a brilliant question. And, and I, I first will say, I don't have the answer. And then, you know, let's imagine so so kind of two parts of it um, one is do different generations have different capacities or different styles of reaction to this and and of course i i would have to say absolutely yes um you know the gen zers who grew up with devices in their hands um just think of this as you know it's it's a game you know it's a game over so you just hit the next reset button and you're back on level two and and um they I'll adapt just, to those I'll kinds just, of questions i'll just quickly interject yeah my gen zer has been the least affected member of my family from the perspective that he is completely happy being in his bedroom with a couple computers going yeah. you know talking to his friends on one playing interactive games on the other Right. And he didn't have really any desire to leave the house before. Mm -hmm. um, now, now he's in college and, he, you know, life got up, you know, upended. But, you know, it's not, you know, the being, you know, for me, it's getting old being in the house. Right, right. For him, doesn't bother as much. Well, and and it's not just the devices and the and the computer, you know, facility that 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 generation has, but their ability to flip and turn and flip and turn. And, you know, like, um, you know, we 
in the boomer generation, um, and I'm older than you even in that, that world, um, we think of failure as, as a setback. We think that, you know, like something didn't work, we have to go back, reinvent, and so on. Uh, a lot of kids that grew up with, with gaming technology think of, of failure as just, you know, okay, hit reset and started uh, started new so it's there's no there's no psychological down there's no hmm. uh there's not a problem with that it's just a it's just another bump in the road it's just another you know um start game over start again um so so they're not as seriously affected by such a huge upheaval as what we see it as um because to them it's just another you know, it's down there bumping the road. It's another challenge. It's another gnome running out of the cave and, you know, with a battle axe or something in the game, you know? And so we, we zap that one and we move to the next one. Um, so, so I think there are different levels or different gradients in terms of our ability to roll with the punches. Uh, and, and yet there are people within my generation, our generation who have, um, you know, who are early adapters, who have technology, who um, are up to, you know, up to making the new change. You know, some people look at this and, and go, you know, sign me up. I'm, I, you know, like I can't think of a better time to be alive. I had a friend who asked me a couple months ago, why haven't you retired yet? You know, and I go like, can you think of something, anything more exciting than being in my profession at this time with what's happening in the world. I mean, name it, I'll go there. But this is the most exciting time for me to be. Uh, years ago, I was in the, in the corporate outplacement business, and we used to have to, when, when a company would hit these, you know, big breakdowns, um, we'd have to go in, find a, a, a big building, you know, that was empty, set up a career center for anything like a thousand, two thousand people to go through. So that meant phones and secretaries and switchers and, you know, like a whole nine yards. And so we'd, we'd fly into a town and we'd like have all these all these uh, appointments set up for realtors, zoom around and, you know, like, and, and I was going with one another another colleague of mine and at the end of the day we pull into the the parking lot of of the place where we we're gonna we're gonna rent this in one day we'd seen enough and we say all right we're going with this one here pull in there um and it's like when the when cell phones were this big you know great big clunker things like that we get out pull out the phone and at the same time he said god i'm tired and i go God, I love this. You know? <laughs> so it's the sort of the same thing, you know, among the boomers, there are people who go, who are saying, you know, like sign me up. This is the best ride we can get, you know? And there are people who are scared to death and I really feel compassionately for them. They are scared out of their wits because they don't know what's going to happen to them. They don't know what's going to happen to their 401k. They don't know what's going to happen, whatever. So you got from one end to the other end of the spectrum, you know, you can slice it one way with how different generations are prepared for change and are dealing with change. You know, the, the geometric curve of change, you know, what is it that they say, you know, since 1940 to, to present, there have been more changes in technology and uh, information structure and business structure since all of history. You know, and, and in yeah. the last 10 years, even, you know, that it's just going this way. So the kids that are, I say kids, but the young you know, employees that are in the market today are used to an accelerated change. You know, we grew up in a generation that didn't have that. It's interesting that you talk about spectrum because there's maybe another way to think about spectrum, too. 
mm-hmm. which is what is the impact? Like, did they, you know, did their parents die of COVID? Did they have mm-hmm. friends that died of COVID? Right. Um, and when, you know, did they lose their job? Did mm-hmm. they not lose their job? You know, there, yeah. you know, there's, I don't, we don't really know the unemployment, but let's just assume there's 25% unemployment right now. Right. Right. 75% of the people are employed. Um, and right. not that that's 25% is not horrific. Right. But your experience, if, you know, you have a, a job, you have financial security and you just, you know, can't go out to restaurants and you, you know, you can't, you know, do some of the fun things you used to do outside mm-hmm. is very different than if you like don't have an income mm-hmm. and you're, you know, wondering when you'll have a job, when the economy will be able to provide right. you a job. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, I, I and, and the people who are, yeah, I'm sorry. And the people who are most vulnerable are the most affected by this. So there's an economic gradient on that as well as a generational gradient on that. And, and while I say, you know, God, I'm excited by what's happening in the world. I am also grieving the loss of two very close friends who died from COVID, you know, recently. Um, and, and I don't want to step over the seriousness of this, this pandemic. Um, you know, by saying I'm excited by the changes, I'm I, I'm I'm not at all excited by the pandemic. I'm not, you know, and and I grieve with other people who who have lost. That's an important element of this, and our ability to deal with that, you know, maybe makes us a little bit more vulnerable as leaders and able to do that shift that we were talking about earlier. Um, but but um, the what's exciting to me is the potential. You know, what is it that we can invent? And so when we get to that second pivot and and really look at what is it that we want to become in the next new, in the new now or when the new normal or whatever you want to call it, I don't think it's going to be normal, you know, and the people who will win are the ones who are going inward to their internal compass and not trying to predict what the future is going to be, but saying, here's who we are and this is what we have to offer what is it that the world needs that comes from our database, our, our resource base, what we have as talent and what we have as resources in our company? Let's project us into that need, not into some predicted you know, future dynamic, but, but, but what's really needed. Um, that's the internal compass I'm talking about. And that's a really good place for us to transition because we could talk forever. Um, <laughs> I, I know you have an offer, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to share your offer with everyone. So um, I do a lot of writing and I have several, you know, just little position papers. I, you know, I don't want to take a lot of people's time. So they're usually only two to four pages in length, uh, nicely done up, you know, crisp. Uh, here's what you do here. One is on listening um, and the other one is on change. And both go hand in hand. They're, they're really about, um, you know, how do we, how do we deal with, um, with the new situation? Um, and uh, so, you know, what you could do is, and it's very easy to contact me. My name is Chris, K-R-I-S, at InnerWorks, I-N-N-E-R, dash works. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't even know my own email. Um, Chris at InnerWorks, I-N-N-E-R-W-R-K-S, dash consulting, um, Sorry, you can edit that part, right? <laughs> um, Why don't you say the email one more time yeah. to make sure people get the, the K as part of the uh, Chris yeah. with a K. So it's Chris with a K 
at Innerworks Consulting, and there's a dash between the two, Innerworks, I-N-N-E-R-W-O-R-K-S dash consulting.com. Um, and that will get to me and just say, you know, uh, you know, what's that, that listening paper or what's that change paper that you, um, you were talking about. Be happy to send that. Um, I also have several books that, you know, that I can uh, offer up to people. Um, most of my books deal with kind of the dark side of change. How does, what happens when you get really hit hard by change? How does that change you? Um, and so one of them is called Leadership Gold, and the other one's called Wrestling the Angel. Um, and, and they're looking at inspecting deep change. So um, those are available on Amazon.com. Uh, you, can, you can just look me up, Chris Garrell, and you'll find um, several of the books in there. You know, this leads me, because I was going to tell you my last question is what's your, your number one tip, which I will do, but this leads mm -hmm. me just a really quick question. Who are your ideal clients? Why, why do people call you up? What, who, mm. who, you know, people listening here are training professionals primarily. Yeah. You know, what, what are the, who are the people that you love working with? <laughs> um, I really love working with um, the senior team. Um, usually the vice president and above level, mainly because there are more degrees of freedom. Um, middle managers often have a tough time seeing themselves do anything other than what they've been assigned to do. And, and they have so much responsibility for their team and for their own deliverables. They have, the, you know, they have a desk of work to, to do as well. Uh, whereas the senior executive and uh, in, in executive level uh, is much more able to look at leading people and how what they do affects the work of those people that they're supervising and, and mentoring. Um, so that's kind of my sweet spot is, is working with that. Although I've, I've done a couple of presentations to the training industry. Um, uh, the, um, the TICE conference last year and a year before, um, you know, did a couple of, of presentations on how the training industry really needs to um, work more closely with uh, the, the, the leadership world um, and, and migrate those two together so that we can build in better skill transitions for leaders as they move up the, the, the ladder and up the ranks. Um, trainers know how to do that, but executives don't listen. <laughs> So it's well, I, I, I totally, you know, the, the whole point of this podcast is mm -hmm. to unleash the power of training. And mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. do think that training needs a seat at the table and, and, and can, can make a big change. Okay. One tip. If you had to give someone one tip, what would your one tip be? Don't follow the herd. Um, and, and let me unpack that. Um, there are a lot of people who are posting a lot of good ideas, a lot of good tips um, on the internet right now. It's, it's, it's rife with all these um, podcasts and all these you know, uh, people trying to, to provide value to their audience in some way. Um, and uh, there's a lot of good ideas out there. And I'm not saying those aren't good ideas and not to, to take those into account. What I am saying by, by don't follow the herd is the, the real issue that's up right now is who are you? You know, this is an opportunity for a company to reevaluate who they are and who they, who they are as a value to their customer base. So it's really going to be something that you invent for yourself, that you create out of your own, your own people and your own leadership. 
that that will be the the solution for for your company and um if you just are the other the next other company that does what simon senek says and i love simon i i often hate simon because he says what i've been trying to say and he says it so much nicer than i do but you know if you're just another company doing what simon says um then then what value is that you know you haven't you haven't taken advantage you haven't tacked into the wind um so that it's that inner inner compass um it, it's really finding your own space and and following that leadership um, into the future this is really an important inflection point for everybody um, and we'll each invent our future well chris i want to thank you for being a guest i want to thank our audience for listening uh, on behalf of training unleashed on behalf of the c-suite network i wish everyone well and everyone have a great day This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.